0: Welcome to the Forward Healing Project. This is a weekly podcast where we acknowledge the challenges and grief experienced with infertility and miscarriage. Through honest and real talk, we will share stories, explore emotions, and seek healing by reclaiming, redefining, and renewing what it means to heal a hopeful heart. Welcome to the Forward Healing Project podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Allen. I'm humbled and honored to be part of your journey and grateful that you're a part of mine. If you're not already following me on Instagram, I'm at Forward Healing Project and also Healing Hopeful Hearts. The Forward Healing Project is also on Twitter, and you can listen to past episodes on any podcast platform you subscribe with. And shares and ratings are greatly appreciated. I've been thinking about this topic for a long time, and it seemed like it was finally a good time to record on this topic. It's the plans we make. I'm a planner. I make lists. I write my grocery list in order of category and the flow of the grocery store. That's the level of freak I'm at. I color code my calendar. I make timelines for my day. I use an actual print planner, not just a Google calendar. I'm slightly obsessed with planners, and whenever I see someone else's, I get really excited, and I try to find a way to strike up a conversation and not seem like a total weirdo when I ask about their planner and their organization process. I'm a planner. I make trip itineraries, I print out maps, I carry snacks in my purse. If we go on a trip, either for a day or a week, I have everything you could possibly need. First aid kit, snacks, big fan of snacks. Water, sunblock, bungee cord, chairs, blankets. I'm basically prepared at any point in time to have a picnic, administer emergency first aid, and change a tire in a ditch. I'm a planner. So when the biggest plan I made went totally sideways, it changed me. I'm still a planner, but I don't cling tight anymore. I'm prepared, but no longer have any real expectations of how things should turn out. On one hand, it's actually been really liberating, and it opens me up to the adventure and to where God wants to lead me. On the other hand, it's still sad, and sometimes it feels like I gave up. I remember when my husband and I first started trying for a family. We were like so many other couples. We thought, okay, we're going to start trying in May, so we'll be pregnant no later than November, so we should have the baby on X date. We can plan accordingly for everything else, map out our whole lives according to our plans. We had a plan. And in the first few years of trying, I stuck to that plan. I bought cute little onesies, baby's first Christmas ornaments, changing blankets, because I had a plan and I was prepared so of course my desired outcome would come to fruition. I still have most of those things that I bought. I keep them in the bottom of a closet, buried under a few layers of other things I probably need to get rid of. There's probably a metaphor there, but that's not what we're unpacking today. I've thought about giving those things away. Throwing them away. I've even considered burning them in some ceremonial gesture. I've thought about gifting them to my friends. But I can't. I have let go of so many things. Anger. Sadness. Regret. But I can't seem to let those items go. I like to tell myself I can get rid of those things because they represent a large part of my journey. So I can get rid of them, but I choose to hold on to them. But if I'm being honest, it's because in my mind, getting rid of those items would be total surrender. And I'm not there yet. Maybe someday, maybe I'll be there. Maybe someday those items will just be symbols. I used to pull them out and look at them. I've said before I tend to be an emotional cutter. Sometimes I indulge in the pain and the things that hurt me. I used to pull out the little pink onesie that has a pony on it and in glitter it says someday I'll demand a pony. I would hold on to that little onesie in my hand and go numb and then cry and look at the little booties and the matching changing blanket and turn myself inside out with grief. I don't pull those items out anymore. Well, very rarely, anyway. Most of the time I forget they're even there until I decide to clean out that closet once a year. And when I do clean out that closet, I will eventually get to the bottom and find them. I pick them up, and I think about getting rid of them. and Then I gently and lovingly put them right back and bury them under items that I actually need to get to. Those items are painful reminders that my plans didn't work out. Sometimes when I open that closet and I remember those items are there, I hear the words of Dante from the Inferno as he saw the sign at the entrance to hell. Abandon all hope, 'all, (laughs) all who enter here. Maybe that's a bit dramatic, but still. It took me years to let go of the fact that I made plans, I had goals, I had a vision, I bought things in preparation for my plans, I did everything right, and it didn't work out. I didn't get the dream I had dreamed. And I have learned that no amount of grit, prayer, surrender, compromise, no law of attraction, hope, will, or determination was going to change the fact that the plans I made, the dreams I had, weren't going to happen the way I thought they would. Years. It took me years to realize that while this sucked, it wasn't without gain. Had my plans worked out, I would have at least two children with the oldest being about 14 years old right now. I look at my life now and I can't imagine having a teenager, but I wanted one. Now this episode is a tough one for me. I have had this episode in my heart from day one. This one, this one's hard. It's admitting defeat. It's admitting my plans don't always become reality. And as someone that leans hard in the type A arena, someone that sets their mind to something and most of the time can make it happen, someone that is prepared, logical, logistic, and analytical. This topic, this part of my journey, is really hard to unpack. It's really even harder to share. There's a part of me that was, and maybe still is, embarrassed to share that I hold on to these items in the bottom of that closet. I had a woman share with me that she bought multiple outfits for her baby she was planning on one day having, and after a few years, her circumstances revealed that she would never have a child or be able to adopt. She shared with me that she gave away every one of the outfits she bought. I was so proud of her. My heart literally swelled with pride for her. I thought how much strength that must have taken, and I thought how I'm not there. I'm not yet, and maybe never will never be in that place where I can give away those items. I was and in, in, in and in awe of her, and it made me think I'm not that strong. I can't let go entirely, not yet. Maybe never. I started new plans, but I still look back at the old ones. Maybe it's that even now, at forty five, with a multitude of reproductive issues, there's still a tiny sliver of hope that exists in my heart. And actually, I know that ship has sailed. But, and perhaps because of my faith, I know that nothing's impossible with God. I still have that teeny tiny sliver of hope. This is really hard for me to admit. Because I tell women to embrace the suck, to surrender, to trust God's plans, to be open to a new path and a new dream. And I believe that 100%. I believe that 99.99%. I think it's important to share this with you, that even I still have that one hundredth of a percent chance of hope that still lives in my heart. I stopped asking God to take it away. It's there for a reason. Maybe it's so that I never forget that all things are possible with God, and in order to walk with other women and men on this journey, I need to believe that so God keeps that teeny tiny sliver of hope in my heart. I don't really like it, but it's there. Maybe it's because even after all these years of healing work, I still have more healing to do. I'm not sure, but the fact remains I still have those items in my home, in the room that would have been the nursery I still, and I still keep all those items. Now, I said earlier that realizing that the dream of a child was gone did not come without gain. I've gained the ability to let go, to go with the flow, to trust God, and to come to a true belief that God will always give us what we need. I'm not sure God ever really gives us what we want. I think God always gives us what we need, and sometimes it aligns with what we want, so we confuse that with God giving us what we want as opposed to what we need. Did that make sense? Anyway, I turned to the saints. I looked to Saint Ignatius, one of my favorites, because he founded the Jesuits and I love the Jesuits. Saint Ignatius wanted to be a soldier. He wanted to live a life of luxury with women at his side and glory on the battlefield. Instead, he got a cannonball to the leg and discovered the life of Christ while he healed and ultimately went on to find found a religious order. God gave him what he needed. God gave him what his purpose was, not what he wanted. I'm sure there were times Ignatius missed the women and the glory, but God put him on a different path one that would lead to countless souls growing closer to Jesus. I think about some priests that I follow on social media and priests that I know who have shared that before entering the priesthood, they desired a family. They wanted a wife and children, but instead God called them to a different path. I'm sure there's days that they long for a wife. There's times when they baptize a child and maybe just for a moment, imagine that that child was theirs but the dream that they had was not the plan God had for them. On this journey, I have learned to rely on God, and especially in the times of the greatest suffering, I know that He is working to give me what I need, not what I want. Recently, there were a few major life changes here in the Allen household. In the past, these changes would have put me into orbit with worry, fear, and doubt but because I had to and continued to process the loss of the one dream I wanted most. I was able to take it all in stride because I knew God was going to get us through. I knew that I could not plan my way into the solution. Sure, I made adjustments and got a few things in order, but all in all, I had to just let go. I had to trust that even though these changes were not part of the plan, that God was going to get us through it. And then I had to trust that it might take a while, and it might be hard, but if we kept doing our best and trusting in God's plan, everything was going to be okay. Two things come to me at this point. One is the old adage, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And the other is that God helps those that help themselves. I'm not sure one of the, either of these are terribly theologically sound, but they do seem to ring true very often. I don't think God laughs at us. I think we laugh at ourselves when we are able to look back and see that God was working to bring about a greater good in our lives despite our plans. Sometimes, every time, I hear someone, mostly women, tell me their plans about getting pregnant or their next baby or even things when they're very early in their pregnancy and I think, I get that saying. If you want God to laugh, tell me your plans. And I think I have a little insight on God in that moment. I don't laugh at them, no, but I think maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe your plans will work out, but it might not. And I pray that they're not disappointed. I pray that they are not wounded. I pray that they can be open to the fact that those plans might not be the ones that God has for them. Part of me is envious of their blind hope and glorious unawareness that they possess Part of me aches for them knowing that in the event their plans don't work out, I know the pain they're going to feel. Yet I hope they will never know that pain. And I envy them in the event that they never know the sting. And I do think God helps people, even if they do everything in their power to sabotage themselves. But I think we can make our lives and his job a whole lot easier if we work to making our lives better while he works to help us. The second one is one of the things that I've gained. I gained the insight that I can plan and prepare and I should plan and prepare, but I need to do so oriented and open to what God has planned for me. Now my loyal listeners know that I have a great love for Thomas Merton and this quote is from No Man is an Island and it rings so true. There must be a time of day when the man who makes plans forgets his plans and as if he had no plans at all. There must be a time of day when the man who has to speak falls very silent, and his mind forms no more propositions, and he asks himself, did they have a meaning? There must be a time when the man of prayer goes to pray as if it were the first time in his life he had ever prayed, when the man of resolution puts his resolutions aside as if they had all been broken. And he learns a different wisdom. That's what I've learned a different wisdom. I've gained a new wisdom in all that I've lost. I think what Merton is saying, well, what Merton is saying a lot better than I'm trying to say, is that sometimes we have to learn a new reality, a new wisdom. And that knowledge comes from letting go of the plans you made. I'm not saying don't plan, we need to have goals, we need to work towards things. We need to create dreams and align our lives in a manner that will put us on the best paths to security, community, and love. But sometimes, sometimes we need to let them go. We need to pray as if we've never prayed before, fall silent when we want to speak. We need to seek the things that God is giving us as things we need and not the things we want. Plans are a funny thing. Most people never think their plans won't work out. It's a luxury. We don't even know we have until that luxury is taken away and replaced with a cross. I think the past year and a half of COVID has leveled the playing field a bit. And I think those of us that have had our plans and our dreams crushed and have had to pivot and find a new hope and a new reality, maybe we weathered COVID a bit easier than most because we're experts at pivoting we are well skilled in the art of finding new plans, new dreams, and new realities. People that lose their spouses, they had plans. They didn't plan on walking this life without their partner. People that lose a limb, their eyesight, their hearing, I didn't plan that. The professional athlete that blows out their knee and can no longer play. Someone that loses their home to a fire, a hurricane, that was not part of their plan. I think on some level, this level of loss is always in our minds, right? I mean, even the most optimistic of us have these fears. But it's not until it becomes a reality that we realize this level of loss can happen to you. We always hear people say, I never thought it would happen to me. And maybe it's a good thing we don't ever think that it'll happen to us. Otherwise, we might be paralyzed and unable to have hope and compassion. Having had this level of loss happen to me... And I'm not naive enough, anymore anyway, to believe that I won't suffer another loss or maybe even one greater as my life goes on. But having experienced it, I have gained new wisdom. I've gained a greater compassion. At first of all I gained with deep, deep cynicism. I always say that I'm a pessimist, <laughs> that I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. And I still believe that. But now the realist in me she's not so angry. She's not so cynical. She has a new wisdom and faith that God will give her not what she wants, but what she needs. Merton also says that pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. I don't think having plans and optimism is artificial, but I do think there lies a level of pride when we make plans and are unaware or unwilling to see that those plans might not work out. And I think when we suffer loss, we can be angry, or we can be choose, choose to be humble, and that humility does, in fact, make us real. What does that mean, to be real? For me, and I would argue for most people, being real means being in alignment and surrendering to the purpose God has for you. Being real means being the person he created you to be. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter one, verse five, Says God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Maybe you want to push back on this and say, God placed this, this desire in my heart. How can it be denied? That's a valid question. I'm not sure I know the answer. But what I do know is that our desires, when aligned with the surrender and trust in God's plans, will be fulfilled. They just might not look anything like you planned they would. I still make plans, maybe they'll come true, maybe they'll work out. And I don't know what God's plans are for me, but I'm looking forward to finding out. I'm looking forward to the new wisdom, the new adventure, finding out where God needs me, not where I wanna be. I look forward to that, even though I still grieve and long for my old plans. Now I just look forward to the new ones and hope that eventually I'll come to terms with the loss of the ones that I had made in the past. There's a great forward healing to be found in letting go of the plans we make and being open to and desiring the plans that God has for us. Maybe one day I'll get to a place where I only desire what I need, what God intends for me, not what I want. A place where I only desire God's plans not mine and be willing to 100% trust and embrace those plans but I'm only human and I'm not there yet but I'm working on it I hope you will too I hope this episode brings you some forward healing I hope you continue to walk with me on this path to healing and join me next week As we continue to explore ways to redefine, reclaim, and renew what it means to have a hopeful heart. I pray for each of you, for your peace of heart and your intentions, for your desires, for your needs. I pray for your hope, happiness, and healing. I pray that you can find the strength to invite God into your heart and know and believe that you belong to Him. I pray that you can find healing in knowing His path for you is beautiful and grace-filled. Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Consolation, pray for us.